All right, so uh, Risto Martin in here with George Mason University. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Nicholas Holt today, uh, and the discussion will be around positive youth development, and this topic is of specific interest to me. Uh, as I've cited a lot of uh, this article in my most recent work, and it's really important article in the field, and actually crosses over into physical education and sports psychology. Um, so I'm always really impressed with people who create models and build things like this new approach to positive youth development through sport. Um, but let's get into it. Um, I will let Dr. Holt explain what he did. Uh, so here we go with another episode of Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. All right, so we're here with Dr. Nick Holt from University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. Uh, today we are discussing his co-authored article titled a grounded theory of positive youth development through sport based on results from a qualitative meta-study. Uh, this was published in 2017 in the International Review of Sport and Exercise Psychology. Uh, welcome to the podcast and uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about your paper. Well, thanks for having me, Risto. Um, I'll just mention a couple of things about the paper to get us, uh, get us going. The, actually, this paper was one of the first steps we did in a much larger project that we called PYD SportNet. And um, this is a team of, it started as a team of Canadian researchers who are interested in various aspects of PYD. So our teams, Jessica Fraser-Thomas from York University, Martin Camere from the University of Ottawa, Danny McDonald from the University of Prince Edward Island, Catherine Taminen from the University of Toronto, Leisha Strachan from the University of Manitoba, and then Jean Cote from Queen's University is also a collaborator on our project. So it's a it's a big team. And PYD Sportnet is a knowledge translation project. And knowledge translation is about exchanges between researchers and knowledge users. So the idea is you can exchange knowledge, and the goal is to improve the effectiveness of programs, policies, and services. So knowledge translation is different to just disseminating findings. It's about kind of the interaction between researchers and knowledge users. And this project, this paper we're talking about today, was one of our first steps. So synthesizing the evidence, synthesizing knowledge is one of the first steps in knowledge translation. So you kind of establish what's out there. And then from there, you go on to various different other knowledge translation activities. So this really was a starting point for the work that we've been doing on PYD Sportnet. Awesome. And I, I just found the, and we'll link to the Twitter link to that PYD Sportnet as well. Um, I know you have some social media around there. Um, but I mean, overall, I'm, I'm really happy that you're able to make this podcast to discuss the article. Um, and in my last couple papers that I sent for review, we've leaned heavily on this paper as a theoretical framework. And, you know, I have to say that I'm happy that this podcast thing is going. I mean, I didn't even know you. I reached out to you through Twitter and or email and just um, I'm really happy that you're uh, willing to do this. So uh, let's get to the article. The biggest thing that I realized was when I first saw this that I, I didn't think any of this um, PYD model was not made for sports. So that was a big shocker for me. I just kind of assumed that it was always meant for sports and uh, and that's how it's been used in some of the research at least. And so to start off, can you just tell us what positive youth development is and uh, then we can move on to the details. Yeah, positive youth development, PYD, 
it's an umbrella term. It, it's a range of different approaches rather than one single theory or one single construct. But generally, these approaches share a focus on building strengths and developing assets rather than fixing problems. So it comes out of positive psychology. And, you know, without giving a whole history of positive psychology, you know, there was a trend towards uh, fixing people's problems. And positive psychology, the slant is more about building strengths so people can thrive. So in applying that to youth, the positive youth development perspective kind of is a reaction to what was called the deficit reduction approach that was trying to fix problems. So PYD is about building strengths. Then in the context of sport, a sport, physical activity, various organized contexts, um, it's about understanding ways in which we can promote positive outcomes through sports. So PYD researchers tend to look at what works, under what circumstances, and for whom when it comes to promoting positive outcomes for kids who play sport or other types of organized physical activities. And, and this is important because, as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of rhetoric out there about the power of sport for building character and organizations make lots of claims around this. but. It's quite clear that merely um, rolling out a ball or just providing sport isn't enough to promote positive outcomes. It all depends on the way programs are delivered. And um, we know that it's a crucial part of this is having good relationships with coaches, peers and parents. And uh, it's something that we call a PYD climate, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I think. Yeah. And so the study that you conducted addresses the four issues uh, that you say constrain the continued advancement of positive youth development research and sport. Can you list those four? Yeah, so the paper, we actually started working on this in around about 2015. And one of the things that we, we realized is that there's a need to kind of consolidate the evidence base. We, we knew there's a lot of qualitative studies of PYD. And qualitative studies, each individual study can be little island of knowledge so you need to systematically review the literature and synthesize it to establish you know what we know um the second part is the the remain actually there was a need and there remains a need to understand more about the processes that contribute to the attainment of positive outcomes in in sport context the other aspect and i mentioned knowledge translation is several authors have commented on how there's a gap between the evidence that we've got, and then, for instance, coach education. I don't think there's many coach education programs that include coaching for PYD. Um, and then the final thing, there's a lack, or there was a lack, of sports-specific theory in PYD research, although that is beginning to change um, over the last couple of years, actually. Yeah, I know you get to some of those things later on in the article, but um, you speak to synthesizing knowledge and you explain that it can be invaluable for practitioners as it starts to really bridge this research to practice gap. And so can you synthesize some knowledge for us? I mean, um, what do we know about the approaches to positive youth development? Maybe we can start with Lerner and Larson, especially with Lerner. You see a ton of that, uh, a ton of mm -hmm. that article and content cited. Yeah, so PYD comes from developmental psychology. It doesn't come out of sports psychology. 
actually Reed Lawson wrote a great article about PYD in 2000 in The American Psychologist, and he's interested in what he calls domains of growth experiences. So he developed the measure, the Youth Experience Survey, to look at these growth, various different types of growth experiences. And by that, he means experiences that kind of teach you something. And his thing is looking at different types of context. So organized sport is one context, but you could have volunteer activities, church clubs, uh, music clubs. And he's, he's interested and his work has been about comparing rates of these growth experiences in different types of activities uh, and sport being one of them. Learner takes a slightly different approach. So rather than look at experiences, uh, his model is founded around something called the five C's. The model is not just the five C's, but the five C's are central. So people will read about Learner and they'll see these five C's cited a lot. So the five C's are indicators of PYD and they're confidence, competence, connection, caring and character. So the idea is that youth with higher levels of these five C's or high levels of PYD are more likely to engage in what learner calls contribution. I like to think of it in terms of contributions with an S on the end. So it's ways they make contributions to themselves, to others, to community, and even to civil society very broadly. So youth with high levels of PYD measured by the five C's are more likely to engage in contributions and less likely to engage in risk behaviors. And both the and learner stuff started with studies of the 4-H clubs in the United States. And um, again, it was, com- comparing, they've done some work on comparing involvement in different types of uh, and different types of activities. And so you state in the here and you just said with the 4-H club, and I think this should not be lost, is that both of these approaches were not developed in the context of sport. And so how were they created and why is it a problem or is it a problem? Well, it's not a problem if you want to compare across activities. But if you want to understand what's going on within an activity, then I think you need more context specific approaches. So the example I'll give is um, if you compare education to sport. So being in the classroom. So if you're doing an exam, you'll never have if you're a 14 year old doing an exam, you'll never have a crowd of all your classmates, parents watching you as you write the answer. And when you write the correct answer, you're never going to get cheered by these strangers. And uh, you're never going to get shouted at if you do something wrong by this group public in this public setting. But in sport, that happens. It's a public venue. You have parents cheering you on or maybe saying things that aren't quite so um, positive. And it's this public and it's the competitive aspects that, that are inherent in sport combined with this kind of public display that I think makes sport quite a unique context when you compare it to some other things like volunteer activities or church groups. Um, So I think there's some fairly unique aspects of sport. And in fact, in these comparative studies, sport 
comes out with uh, showing high rates of kids taking initiative and things like that, but also high rates of negative experiences compared to other contexts. So that I think first, there's some unique aspects of sport. Second, sport is the most popular activity kids engage in. And it, you know, the only other place they spend as much time is school. So after school, they spend their time in sport and that's around the world. So uh, we felt it was, it's important to develop sport-specific approaches to understanding PYD. That doesn't mean the comparison across context is not important. It really is. But sport-specific approaches would help us understand more about the processes that are going on in sport that can promote PYD and can constrain PYD. Right. And so are there sport-specific approaches that you can share that you know of? Yeah, the, I mean, there were some early models, I think even before we started using the term PYD. So researchers have been interested in this. So, for example, Don Hellison's teaching personal and social responsibility model is, uh, I, I would say it's a PYD model. Uh, Steve Danish's super and goal programs are PYD models. And then in the early 2000s, a few people started to write uh kind of do narrative reviews of the literature and provide, I call them frameworks for ways we could structure youth programs. So people like Dan Gould, Jessica Fraser, Thomas, Al Petipar, um, there's a few different papers there. We, I could help people find them if they, if they need. It was a challenge for the people writing those papers in the mid 2000s because there wasn't much sports specific research. So they had to draw on the theories from developmental psychology. But they provided really good starting points. But actually, Dan Gould, uh, Gould and Carson 2008, in presenting his model, noted that we need more theoretical approaches that are sport specific. So in part, we were responding to that with the paper that we did. Right. So. Let's get into that study a little bit. Can you share what you did in this uh, particular study that the paper uh, produced? Yeah, as I mentioned, we knew there were a lot of qualitative studies of PYD. Um, so we decided it would be a good idea to review and synthesize them. We used an approach that uh, specifically for um, uh, synthesis of, of qualitative research. And the way we did this is a little bit different to some kind of, you know, meta-analysis, meta-study. We didn't solely focus on just evaluating the quality of the studies. We, we did that to some extent. We evaluated the methods and um, uh, use of theory and that kind of stuff. But the bigger goal was actually taking the data from these qualitative studies and then analyzing that like you might do if you did interviews and you had to analyze interview data. So one of the huge parts of our study that, you know, ended up with 63 articles in it was actually taking the raw data, any of the, you know, the quotes provided in each of the articles and creating a database and then analyzing that database like you would analyze original interview transcripts to pull out main themes and we use those themes and what we knew about the related literature um, to develop a model of PYD that we think is grounded in sports-specific data. Yeah, I mean, 
that's that seems like a lot of work for sure and you know i'm i'm going to do a huge injustice to, to your methods section here by not covering it in detail but uh, it is extensive, and uh, I found it an amazing resource for finding references for, for research and reading further in, um, and it's almost like a one-stop shop if you want to start somewhere to you know wrap your head around this. Uh, but you essentially started with over a 1,000 articles and narrowed it down, like you said, to 63. Um, so as a general overview, overview, you selected articles that were qualitative, reported primary data, had participants in some type of adult supervised sports setting, be it uh, recreational or competitive or other like summer camps or after school programs. Um, and then uh, they had to make reference to positive youth development. And you did this through a meta study. Uh, can you explain that to those that don't know what a meta study is? Yeah, so we used um, Patterson et al's 2001 book, the to guide the meta study and, and there's no one single way to do these types of studies but there's four main components so they call it the first one is a meta method analysis so you look at the methods then it's meta theory analysis so you look at the theories that are used metadata analysis is what i just described extracting the raw data and then subjecting it to analysis and that final part is developing a meta-synthesis of the literature. And for that part, I've got some expertise in grounded theory. So I kind of borrowed technique, the, some of the theory building techniques from grounded theory to, to kind of pull this synthesis together. And our goal for the synthesis was to present it as a, as a grounded theory model. So what are some of the highlights that you saw in the meta-method analysis in the first part? Well, luckily for us, um, what we saw, people used a range of different data collection techniques. The articles typically had several techniques aimed at, um, you know, methodological rigor or trying to enhance the validity of studies. So we made a conclusion that they produced high quality data. You saw, you know, some rich accounts from various perspectives. In terms of weaknesses, and I think this applies certainly to the sports psychology literature a little bit more generally, not many articles were using what I described as a named methodologies, so phenomenology, grounded theory, case study methodology, and frequently the sampling procedures were not clearly articulated. Specifically, if there's purposeful sampling going on, you should really um, explain your sampling criteria and why you selected these criteria. Uh, that was not, over, over the 63 studies, that was not consistently reported. Now, another element, and this ties in with the methodology part, the name methodology, philosophical perspectives were rarely reported. And it's important to have those components in because that strikes the speaks to the methodological coherence of articles. So that that was a limitation, but I would still argue that we have lots of examples of high quality data in the manuscripts. Yeah, and we just uh, finished our own massive uh, review research on teaching and physical education and what we saw too was there was a huge issue with uh, qualitative research and um, we saw a lot of studies not talk about trustworthiness and credibility and um, it was uh, 
it was definitely methodologically very different and I would say in some cases weaker than the quantitative mm. pieces that we saw in rigor of research. Um, so that was interesting. Um, so let me get to the, um, the second piece here, uh, the meta theory analysis. What, was, um, what are some highlights from there? Yeah, well, actually, theory was used quite sparingly. That's not that unusual with qualitative studies, especially when they're the early studies. And it, it's understandable because there wasn't much in terms of PYD through sport theory that people could use. There's a couple of broad frameworks out there. So theory was used sparingly, is how I'd describe it, which harks back to one of the reasons we did it. There's a, not much at the time. There wasn't much theory in the area of PYD through sport. So that's kind of a predictable uh, finding. But I think it also highlights the, uh, the need for sport-specific theory. Right. And so the metadata analysis was around that uh, main themes of PYD climate, life skills program focus, and the PYD outcomes um, can you explain what you found in regard to the PYD climate? I know we kind of started the podcast talking about that. Yeah, so it, it's PYD climate is the social context within a sp particular sport environment. So one way um, I like to think of it is if you think of it in terms of a coach with a team, with a school team or a club team or whatever it might be, it's the atmosphere that that coach creates. But that atmosphere is not just what the coach does. It's how the parents are involved, how the parents engage, and what the peer interactions are like. So we, you know, people would have heard of motivational climate. Um, positive youth development climate is the, the extent to which that climate, those relationships with coaches, peers, and parents enable kids to gain PYD outcomes. So it's not about motivational outcomes, it's about these broader positive youth development outcomes. So, you know, when I talk to coaches, I challenge them or I ask them, what are you doing to create the context? What are you doing to create the environment? And what types of outcomes are you trying to, are you hoping the kids will achieve through being involved in your program? And just trying to simply articulate the atmosphere on your team is a challenging question for people to answer. But that's what we mean by PYD climate, that atmosphere, the social context within a particular team or club. Right. And then what about the life skills program focus? So here I make a distinction. In the, in the This comes from the PYD literature. What you have, you have some programs that are explicitly developed to teach life skills. So these could be summer camp programs or after school programs. They might not be competitive sport teams in a league, but they are specific life skills programs and they have a life skills curriculum uh, with goals to teach life skills, to transfer life skills to other contexts. So there are these specific programs and that's in contrast to what I call regular everyday youth sport programs that might not have an explicit life skills curriculum. So you can kind of make a distinction between these intentional life skills 
targeted programs and then kind of regular everyday sport programs. Right. And then the final one was uh, PYD outcomes. Can you explain that one? Yeah, and that's pretty straightforward. We just coded outcomes in terms of personal benefits, social interactions, and then in kind of physical domains, which we included healthy behaviors in there as well. Okay. And so the major outcome from this work was that you developed a model grounded in the literature and you called it a model positive youth development through sport. And you were able to do that by synthesizing the research that although when the original studies may have been small in number, like you talked about small little islands of uh, qualitative research pieces, but through this meta-analysis, they number over 2,400 individuals. Uh, can you explain this model to us? Yeah, I mean, take the number of people. Uh, there's no way we would have been able to do a study with 2,400 people. Um, so this is really the power of the meta-study approach. So our model, we talked about those three core components, PYD climate, life skills program focus, and PYD outcomes. So kind of picture those as being the core components of the model. So beyond that, so this is really focused on sport teams, sport programs, not entire sports systems or leagues, more specific on those contexts. So you think kids come into this, so they bring their own uh, qualities and characteristics, and then everything is surrounded by things we call more distal ecological systems, like the community they live in, the policies that might govern the league that they play in. But the kids come into this environment and there they experience, to a greater or lesser degree, a PYD climate, which is created by parents, peers, and then the other adults, usually coaches. So we kind of made um, two predictions. What we tried to do, I should say, as we developed the model, we're really trying to think about relationships and predictions that might guide future research. So this type of model is a starting point, not an end point. But we propose two main mechanisms or processes um, through which kids can obtain PYD outcomes. So the first is if there is a PYD climate in place. So by the PYD climate, we mean positive relationships with peers, coaches who create an environment based on positive, respectful relationships um, and show they have youth best interests at heart. And then parents who are autonomy supportive and um, help support their children's endeavors without putting them under too much pressure. And we think showing uh, that they're emotionally intelligent in their interactions. So when you have these social interactions, you can create a PYD climate. And we think that can lead to PYD outcomes through what we describe as implicit process. An implicit what we mean is, we don't mean automatic. We mean if these things are in place, kids might, will learn things without specific instructions. So the obvious example is teamwork. They can learn social skills through playing as a team in the right environment. And these social skills can transfer to other areas. So you'll hear examples of what you learn through sport. I learned how to deal with different types of people. Because on a sport team, you might play with people who wouldn't you wouldn't kind of gravitate towards as your peers because 
were all selected on the team. So different types of people from different backgrounds. So you learn to deal with different types of people. That can help you, for example, in school, when you get a group project and that the group is not just your friends, it's other people. You can have learned skills in sport that help you deal with different types of people. So there's this implicit process. And I personally think this is really important. I think it's been overlooked a little bit in the literature because people have been really clear. It's not automatic. There's not automatic benefits. And I completely agree. But I also think you can work to create a PYD climate and that will lead to positive outcomes. And one of the reasons I think that's important, if you take your typical youth sport coach, I'm a youth sport coach. I coach U13 girls soccer. So I spend a lot of time preparing practices, working with parents, connecting with the kids, organizing stuff. If you said now I had to build in a PYD program on top of this, so an hour a week of life skills, intentional instruction, there's no way I could do it. But if I can create the right climate, that's something I can do within my practices. So PYD climate is about what you create within practices and within games. That's the implicit process. The other process is the explicit process, and this involves those specific life skills programs that have life skills building activities, they have transfer activities. So our main kind of predictions here is PYD climate can lead to PYD outcomes. PYD climate with an additional life skills program focus can also lead to PYD outcomes. And I suspect a combination of the two would lead to more PYD outcomes. But I think the key thing is there's different processes through which PYD can be acquired. Right. And would you think that if, if you're saying the implicit process, which you're creating with the climate and doing partially a life skills program focus that isn't a hundred percent, it isn't that extra hour that you're still being able to with the combination of that, even though it's to a lesser effect at that explicit process that you're still going to get into that PYD outcome. Yeah. And actually, since we kind of published the paper, I think what we tried to do was by like separating, if you like, this implicit and explicit process, just to make it clear from a research perspective, there's different ways. What I've realized in practical terms is programs are not always one thing or the other. So take the everyday sport programs, school teams, club program, club teams, that kind of thing. Coaches can still, from time to time, explicitly target life skills. So I'll give you the practical example from my own uh, coaching. You know, the kids on my team, we talk about teamwork, leadership, and confidence. It's easy to remember because it's TLC. And this actually comes from a study we did some years ago. So I can teach leadership in sport just by doing some simple things that are part of my program, that are part of the climate I create. So to give you an example, we rotate the captains. So it's a different captain every week. But the captain has responsibilities for leading the warm-up, 
um, doing the organizational things during the practice, but also setting an, setting an example for the other kids. So I might say, you know, Paige, you're the champion this week, and I want you to make sure the kids are physically and mentally prepared to play, and you're going to lead by example and help me out where you can, where you can. Of course, you have to teach them some of those skills. But my kind of argument is, if you've got kids who've got good leadership skills, they've got good teamwork skills, and they're confident in their abilities, they'll actually be better athletes as well as developing their personal and social skills. So this leads me into another thing that I've come across when you know presenting this work. And sometimes people say, yeah, PYDs for recreational programs. And I don't think that's the case. I think um, if you look at talent development, more competitive programs, talent development is about building strengths. PYD is about building strengths. If you want a talented athlete, you would hope that person has strong life skills and is able to take leadership and show teamwork and be confident and host of other life skills. That's part of talent development. And sometimes I think the PYD component might be overlooked. So that's why I think that PYD climate is quite an important concept because coaches and talent development programs can build a PYD climate. Yeah, and I think this model has a lot of crossover. Um, do you have like a concluding thought or any uh, anything else on this paper and this model in general? I think if we go back to the research, um, like I've mentioned, there's a lot of qualitative research on PYD. And I'm a qualitative researcher, but I don't think there's much scope for basic descriptive qualitative studies about the outcome kids associate with sport. There's great scope for quantitative research here. Um, for In the early days, there were no measures. There were very few measures that we could use to assess various aspects of PYD and sport. People are developing questionnaires now, which will facilitate more quantitative research in the future. And I would love to know things like you know, comparing implicit and explicit pathways um, and what do kids get more positive outcomes from different types of coaching. Um, for example, I think there's a great study to be done where you could assess the quality of coaching on a team and like then create groups of real high quality coaching and different types of coaching styles and look at PYD outcomes. That will help us understand some of the mechanisms that lead to PYD. So this is a, a growing area of research. There's scope for qualitative research around these kind of processes, but also tremendous scope for quantitative research. So it's an area that I think, um, I think is buoyant and I think is growing. And in fact, I was last week I was at the Institute for the Study of Youth Sports at Michigan State, and it was their 40th anniversary, and we. We did a kind of PYD think tank and we had PYD researchers there. And it's not just people like me who've been doing it for a few years. Now you've got the graduate students who studied with people coming out and developing their own lines of PYD research. And of course, they're starting to have their own graduate students. So it's it's a growing area and there's plenty of scope for new research. I'll bring it back to the question I said at the start. What works for whom under what circumstances? If we can establish answers to those questions, that will be important for the ongoing development 
from a research perspective. But then the other part is we have to remember we've already got a lot of evidence, but it's not informing the delivery of youth sport yet. Not enough. So it brings me back to we need knowledge translation work. And that's why we've been um, doing our PYD Sportnet project to connect research and practice. Awesome. Um, I mean, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll link to the PYD Sportnet as well. Um, and those that want to read the full article by Dr. Holt, uh, you can find it in the International Review of Sport and Exercise Psychology. It was published in 2017 and it's open access. So uh, we'll link to it uh, down at the bottom of the notes. Uh, so where can people find uh, you or Sportnet on um, uh, social media? Do you have anything like a website or anything? Yeah, you, uh, we've got a website. Uh, it's www.positivesport.ca, so positivesport.ca. And then for social media, just look for us at, at PYD Sportnet, PYD Sportnet. And uh, you'll find we've got a host of resources out there from infographics to little videos to comics to a magazine for sport parents. And uh, yeah, there's a whole host of things. And uh, people are interested they can just reach out to us through uh, twitter awesome um thank you so much again and uh that's all we have for you on this one uh thanks for listening